Welcome to the Executive Minds Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Jeff Henderson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Executive Minds Podcast. Jeff Henderson here with you. And today, I'm telling you, this is one of my latest, greatest, newest business heroes, Jesse Cole owner of the Savannah Bananas minor league team. And I know what y'all are thinking. You love Jesse because you have a daughter named Jesse and a son named Cole. That is true, but that's not the only reason. Jesse Cole, you are doing extraordinary things, not just in the world of sports, but in the world of just humanity and creating a fun experience for people. We're going to get your backstory a little bit, but you did something. I just want to dive in immediately. You did something that sent shockwaves through the sports marketing world and the business community recently. And as a former sports marketing person myself, uh, working with Chick-fil-A back in the days, tell us what you did. Um, you made a big announcement about corporate sponsorships. So tell us what you did, why you did it, and the feedback you got. <laughs> well, pumped to be with you, Jeff. And yes, we continue to do things that are a little crazy and people think we're absolutely nuts for doing it. And uh, what we announced at late February was... Uh, that we've created the first ad-free ballpark experience. So we have eliminated all advertisements, billboards, program ads, signage, anything that's actually sponsoring or advertising to our fans. And uh, it was a hard decision. It was a difficult decision, but we kept looking at, you know, what do we stand for? What do we want to be known for? And how do we create the best fan experience in the world? And we realize ourselves, we don't wake up in the day and say, we want to be advertised to, or we want to be sold to, or we want to be marketed to. So then why are we putting that to our fans? And our goal with everything is, is how do we deliver the best, most amazing fan experience? So yeah, we threw away hundreds of thousands of dollars, potentially millions, and uh, to go all in on this fan experience. And we don't know you know, what the end answer is, but we know the responses already have been fans from all over been reaching out and saying thank you and saying we support you and buying shirts and hats from all over the world because I think people resonate with that. Uh, we're getting hit with so many ads, so many, so much noise every single day. And I believe there's a reason why Netflix is winning right now. It's an ad-free experience. And if you go on YouTube, you skip the ads. And if you go on Hulu, you try to skip the ads. Um, so I think that's uh, hopefully the future. People look at how can we get away from this ad experience and start creating less noise. So that's, that's why we did it. And it's just one of the many steps we're trying to do to, to be all in for our fans. I've often wondered why the ads on YouTube never have a problem buffering, but my content does. So that's a separate <laughs> conversation. But walk me through that decision i mean did you wake up one morning and go you know what we don't we want to create an ad free experience and then mm. how did you approach that with obviously you're the owner yes um you're you and your wife are the owners so how, how does so talk us about that decision making process to walk away from that much money sure i mean i think well first we started really looking at like what are we great at what do we feel like we could be the best at and, you know, what we've seen over the last four or five years and 15 years for me in the industry is that we'll sell ads. And then the next year, we'll get back with the company and they say, well, what do you got new for me this year? Can we do something new? What do you got? And, and like, it wasn't good enough, or we want to try. And it became kind of this working hard to find things that could be specific and custom to these partners. And it was like, well, we don't have fans every year come and say, hey, you know, we, we need something completely new in the experience because we keep delivering on that experience over and over again. And so thinking about that, and we realized that, you know, we're not the best at this. What we're the best, we believe, is the entertaining experience, creating a circus at our ballpark and try to create the most fun anyone's ever had. And so we looked at it and said, all right, well, what would this look like if we eliminated it? And we looked at the numbers and where most teams are 40, 50, 60% advertising and only 40% tickets. 
we're so fortunate that in five years we've come from selling two tickets and having to live on an airbed and sell our house to selling out every single game. And now with every game sold out and a wait list for tickets in the thousands, the risk was much smaller. And I believe with anything, take small bets, experiment. That sounds like a big bet in the world. It was 10% of our revenue, 10%. So if we eliminate 10% and we don't make it up at all, we're still okay. And now we know there's ways that we're going to make it up through other things we're working with businesses for how we're going to take the show on the road through our merchandise and we're going to be okay. But everyone was reaching out to us. Everyone was reaching out to us and saying, oh, you're going to raise your prices. You're going to raise your ticket prices." I'm like, no, we are not. We're staying true to who we are. It's about the fans and uh, it's worked out pretty well so far. I love it. And you said something that I really want to dive into as well. Every game is sold out. Okay. You... We hear uh, declining attendance in every sport almost. Uh, well, yeah, I think pretty much every sport. But here you are in Savannah, minor league baseball team, and you're selling out. What in the world is going on? What, what are you doing? So give us your strategy of what <laughs> you're doing. Because ultimately, to your point, you didn't get into this to be an advertiser. You got into this to create a great fan experience and fans are responding because you're selling out every game. I mean, I, uh, I shared with you before we got on the air, a two close friends of mine live up here. They went to a Savannah bananas game and they're like, this is the greatest thing sports experience we've had. So what is the secret? What are you doing? What can we learn from you? Well, I think the question every business can ask themselves, what business are you in? But what business are you really in? And then follow that up with what makes you different. And when I first got in the industry 15 years ago, I took over a team as a general manager at 23 years old. And how do you get job as a GM at 23? Well, it's the worst team in the entire country. I took over a team that was absolutely <laughs> failing. I mean, 200 fans coming to the games, $268 in the bank account my first day. And I went out in the community, just like what you do so well. I went out in the community and I heard it over and over again. They said, you know, we really don't like baseball. You know, our people, I don't think they'll be bored. They don't want to come. And we were the lowest level of baseball. We're college summer baseball. So why do we want to compete in something that we can't win? So we started getting crazy. We said, you know, could our players do choreographed dances every game? We started asking, what? We said, could we have grandma beauty patches? You know, could we have a male cheerleading team? You know, we kept going down that line. And, and all of a sudden we said, let's just start experimenting. And I'll never forget three games. This was back 15 years ago. And this was like, we got something. The players started doing their dances. Now, again, they were against this at first. They're like, what are we doing? They were pretty good ball players, but they were terrible dancers. <laughs> There's no dancing in baseball. No right? dancing in baseball. <laughs> but by the third game, I'm walking through the grandstand. And all of a sudden, I see a wife talking to her husband. And she goes, shut up, honey. They're about to dance. And I was like, all right, we have something <laughs> right now. And because that became a moment. And so we started experimenting. So lo and behold, we come to Savannah. We were scared. There was professional baseball there for 90 years. We proved it with our other team, but we were scared. And I didn't wear the yellow tux. We tried marketing like everyone else, doing things like everyone else. And we got results like everyone else. In fact, much worse. We sold two tickets in the first three months. And by January 2016 at 445 on a Friday, I got a call that we overdrafted our account. We were completely out of money. And so my wife, God bless her, Emily, she turned and said, we have to sell our house. So we sold our house, emptied out our savings account, the little money we had. And we got an airbed. She got a twin airbed at first. I was like, can we at least get the queen airbed? The twin airbed was like the size you could barely fit on it. And uh, we started trying to make ends meet. And we said, we have to be dramatically different. We have to go back to our roots, but go even further. And said, you know, let's name the team something crazy. Let's go even further. Let's just keep thinking of what would be the most outrageous experience at a ballpark. And uh, whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. So we named the team after a fruit. Uh, we became the Savannah Bananas. We came up with a senior citizen dance team called the Banana Nanas. We named our mascot Split. We started just keep going down that line. 
and people started talking and they came out and every day we challenge ourselves what are the new things we can do so like this season we've hired a grandma coach she's going to deliver cookies to the umpire we got our rocking chair she may argue calls she's going to give hugs to the players every game we have a team luchador a mexican wrestler who's going to do hakas before the game i mean it's like it's a circus and i think that's our mindset jeff it's like we want people not not just what do we want to be known for what do we want people to say and we say it's like a circus and a baseball game breaks out it's the most fun i've ever had at a game and that makes it so easy for us to kind of depict that's why we had a meeting with aerialists fire breathers stilt walkers and we're saying how can this come a part of a baseball game and it makes it clear for us moving forward so we're having the time of our life and i know that's a long answer but it's been clear on what makes us different and that's all we go after is that fun that unique circus like atmosphere and when did you begin to sense traction? When did you begin to sense, oh, this is, this thing's actually working? I mean, we're, you know, we've gone from two, selling two tickets to now we're sold out every game. <laughs> when our first game happened, it absolutely poured rain and people started flooding into the ballparks, literally with rain and everything. And the game didn't start till nine o'clock. And I saw people, I, right as the game was about to start, I looked in the crowd and not a fan had left. People had full banana suits. This guy actually made his beard like a banana and painted it yellow, all right? Then we had our banana baby before the game where we actually get a six month or nine month old baby and we put them in a banana costume and all the players go to home plate and we lift the baby in the air and all the players lift their arms up in the air and go, na, sabenya, nahi, and we start singing the circle of life. And I saw all the fans on opening night start throwing their hands. I'm like, these guys are in. And all of a sudden, we played the worst game ever. Uh, we were in green uniforms because we weren't quite ripe yet. So we were in green <laughs> uniforms opening night. And the game went to like midnight because of the late start. We made like six errors. We played terrible. But the next day, articles were coming out. It's a banana bonanza, you know, best show ever. And all of a sudden, the talking just started happening. And people started coming. And we kept challenging ourselves, what can we do next? What can we do new? And that's where the ideas kept coming. And the traction happened right away after after they finally came to that first game. We had to get them in there. And once we created the tension, got them in there, it really took off. And I love the fact that you're you know, you're the founder of Fans First Entertainment. I just love the the idea, fans first, customers first. And it seems so obvious, and yet it's so rare. Why is that? Well, the, the first name of the company was like a, sounded like a law firm, and I kind of we I called it Team Colin Associates. It was like you know it was brutal, and then I was like, <laughs> you know, let's actually say what we do. And so we became clear, you know, our mission is fans first, entertain always. Every decision we make is it fans first. We're fanatic about fans. We talk about fans all the time. In our meetings, we have a blank chair. We got this from uh, Jeff Bezos that represents a fan. Um, we have fan shoes that we actually bring in that we represent, hey, put yourself in the fan shoes. Everything we talk about that. So the name of the company was simple and it really clarifies again, what are we doing? And you know, every week at the end of this call later today, we have an idea palooza. We have them every every month and we ask a question of something that we can do to create a better experience for a fan. And that is kind of our whole guideline is what are we doing for the fans? And it's not about us, it's about them. And so it's worked and uh, we're still learning every day. So that's really our guideline and our whole framework. Uh, I love it. So give us a little bit of a perspective of your story. Like, how did you get here? Where, <laughs> where did you start? What's your background? Sure, I grew up in uh, Massachusetts and only child and um, parents got divorced. My father raised me and he bought a baseball facility in many ways for me. He knew I loved the game and he left his job and bought a baseball facility so I could work out all the time. 
And so we played every day. I can't tell you how many times I visualized getting a call on draft day from the Boston Red Sox. Hey, in the 42nd round, I don't care what round it was, drafted Jesse Cole. And I, I worked my butt off at it. Fortunate to get a college scholarship. Uh, went down to Wofford College and yeah. um, was fortunate. Three, four years of getting letters from professional teams. I remember getting Christmas cards from the New York Mets. And it was like, this could happen. And then I tore my shoulder uh, in every possible play. I actually went and saw Dr. Andrews, the famous surgeon. He couldn't get me back. It was a mess. And just like that, it was over. And I had no idea what I was going to do. You know, I, I actually was filming a documentary for my major at the point, and I turned the camera on me. And I was emotional. I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. This was my life. And it's weird how things work out and how little that was. And that was probably the most, I was the most fortunate thing to ever happen to me was tearing my shoulder. I got an opportunity to go into coaching. I said, I tried it and I was like, I don't want to watch the game. I loved playing. I, you know, I, I want to, I want to create something better. And then I ended up getting an email about an internship, took the internship with this very low level team and loved getting out in the community and selling the idea of, of making baseball fun. Got offered the job as GM in 23 and they just started rolling with it. So rolled with it for a while, bought that team, eventually sold that team and came down to Savannah, me and Emily. And that's kind of the long story turned short, but that's how we, we made it. And really more than anything, Jeff, I think the lessons that I've learned is just to keep experimenting, keep trying things. You know, we're so afraid of what people think. I'm in a crazy yellow tuxedo. The looks that I get at airports are ridiculous every single day. <laughs> but you know what? I, I try to spread fun. And I think it's so important for a leader is you want to give permission to your people of the mission that you want to hold up. And for us, it's like, we want to deliver fun. We want to spread fun. And we want to be fans first. And to me, this is it. And, and I've seen our whole staff dress up and have fun. You know, we've dressed, we, right now I'm filming this. I told you uh, underneath the stadium in our prop closet, we have more costumes than uh, probably most, most uh, costume stores. And you know what, it, that's what makes it fun. And I think that's uh, what we enjoy coming to the office every day. And I've noticed that you, you've got a, you know, I've noticed from afar that you've got a, a great team culture. You, you recently took your team to Walt Disney World um, a few weeks ago. What, what was that about? So when we owned the team, we never thought that we would, I mean, we never really thought about profits. We never think about short-term profits. We always think about long-term fans. And we were so fortunate with the success that our fans were helping take care of our bottom line. And for me and Emily, we've never had a lot. We've, we've been on air beds, we've struggled. Having a little bit more money in our pockets really means very little to us. And for us, Emily gets a huge, uh, this is where it comes from. She was a, a three brothers and she took care of them. Her whole family never had much, but she always took care of people. And so basically our first year, we just said, let's start doing as much as we can for our people. So we took them on cruises. We have pampering days at the office. Like last summer, in the middle of the summer, brutal summer, all of a sudden we said, hey guys, before we begin the staff chat, I'd like you to meet a few people. And we had four masseuses, a facialist, a hairstylist, and we set up the whole office as a spa. And we said, oh, yeah, also, guys, there's a food truck coming, delivering food for lunch, and uh, also a mobile car wash is going to clean every one of your cars. And our interns were like, what? And they were shocked. But it was like, yeah, it might cost a couple thousand dollars. But do we want to have a couple thousand dollars extra at the end of the year, or do we want to have it for our people? And it's just been this mindset over and over again, surprising our people, our fans first director with a bucket list trip to uh, Ireland with her dad. We sent her there because that's where she wanted to go. And those are the big things. But the little things, Jeff, is what you do, and you're so good at it, is the thank you letters. Um, right now, as, as, uh, as we're recording this, uh, Emily's at home writing a thank you and welcome letter to every intern for this season. And mm -hmm. so they're getting that right now. And our president at 24, he wrote thank you letters to the parents of the people that joined our team and saying, we're going to take care of your kids. They're in a great place. Wow. And it's those little things that really make a big difference. And that's what we try to embody. If you take care of your people, 
They'll take care of your fans and your customers and your fans and your customers will take care of your bottom line. That's the whole mindset. Love it. Those little touches are not little at all. <laughs> yes. Because it's not just to that one person. They're going to turn around and go, guess what the organization that my you know, son is playing baseball with did for me. And, and you're setting a, a really intimidating example for any other organization. <laughs> well, you, you talk, I mean, you're doing your organization and you talk about in your book too, the one wow a day. And for us, you know, we say one fan a day and it's the easiest thing. I, I think I said one to you, but the, uh, just using your phone and doing a quick video and just doing a quick video, sending it to someone. And so our team really loves that. I'm like, I'm like, when you did it, what happened? And they're like, oh, they wrote back. They're like, this means so much. I'm like, bingo. And do it again. And so it just, it's kind of a, what we live by. Well, when you, you sent me a video on LinkedIn, I copied it and sent it to someone else. So that, so you didn't send it again. The, the thought is I sent it to one person. No, you actually sent it to you. I sent it to the two people who told me about you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'd heard you on the Donald Miller podcast, but then when they went down and saw what you had done, then you reinforced with them with a video for me it has a ripple effect to it oh, i appreciate it. well everyone talks about marketing you know marketing 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 people pay billions of dollars in marketing like what i think is is great marketing is it shareable what you're doing are you doing something that people want to share is it about others is it remarkable is it worth talking about so we have zero marketing budget but i'll tell you we invest in a lot of experience in creating things that are shareable that people want to talk about and that's really really paid off for us Absolutely. I, there's a Chick-fil-A operator friend of mine, she, Natalie Cheney. I hope she doesn't mind me sharing this, but <laughs> she, she read the book and she, she just started writing handwritten thank you notes to her mm -hmm. team. Hey, personal, Hey, I saw you do this or Hey, I, I appreciate you. And what she began to notice Jesse is the team started breaking sales records one after another. And she, what she told me, and I'm, I said, well, I don't know if that's a good idea or not. She goes, I think I'm going to eliminate all of my marketing and just write handwritten thank you notes uh, just to encourage the team. Hmm. And Amazing. it's just, it's just so, so those little touches are really, really, really important. Now I know a baseball season can be, you, you own this, because personally, I, you know, I worked for the Braves. I, I mean, the, the Major League Baseball had 162 games back in the day, right? So how do you make sure that you know, you're keeping pace on how many games do you home games do you have a year? So we don't, we don't, right. We only have 30 home games. So it's a 60 okay. game schedule. It's a summer schedule, 30 home games. Okay. So you got to leverage those 30. And yeah, and it's in two months, 30 home games in two months. That's our whole season. Right. But what I've also noticed you, that you do is that you are just as engaged and active on social media now as you are on the, uh, on the I mean, I saw the, the post that you did about dad bods, you know, and you're revisiting stuff. So, what, what's that strategy? You just want to stay in touch with the fans? Yeah, and it, and it can be challenging. You know, you look at what you have around. During our summer, it's electric. There's 4,000 fans here every night. The players are here. Um, but it's challenging. But again, it goes back to and what our, our staff always says, you know, you know, it goes back to fans first, entertain always. If our brand, if our mission, if our statement, if our promise is to always entertain, then that's not just two months of a year. And that's why, you know, we literally had an idea on Friday and said, hey, dancing with myself, Billy Idol, can each one of us at home do this? And we sent it out to our players, our coaches, our characters, our staff. And by Sunday, the deadline, they sent it to us. We had a video out by Wednesday that fortunately, you know, a lot of people got a lot of views and, and did very well. And again, it's just how do you keep that mindset? And this idea of Palooza is what can we do to entertain people while they're home? And, you know, as we're recording this, obviously, during, uh, you know, the pandemic, and, and I think that's what we're asking. And so now we're going to have everyone has to submit three ideas. 
and we pull it up and we're doing it with a happy hour. We're going to have fun and everyone's going to share what are those ideas. We're going to decide which ones we're going to do and we're going to execute them and not worry if one doesn't work. You know, we did cooking with Barry, our vice president on Facebook Live last night. It was weird. He was just at home cooking. All right. How does that relate necessarily to the Savannah Bananas? It doesn't. But you know what? We got people closer. They tried something and said, you know what? What's your next at bat? And we're always focused on our next at bat to go back to baseball. You had a bat, you might strike out, you might hit a home run. What's next? And that's kind of the team mindset. And I could share you a quick little story with that if you want. That kind of goes yeah, into absolutely. that mindset. So we had an intern start with us just a couple months ago. And we always map the first day, just like you try to make it very special and have their favorite meal and pictures and silly string and all the fun stuff as they're coming. But we always make sure my wife and I dedicate the first hour after he gets in to be with him and just connect with him. And uh, so we always ask at the end, said, hey, what ideas do you have for our team? I know you've gone through this whole process. You know about us. And he said, you know, I love that you guys give a thank you call to every fan that buys a ticket, but I think it could be more fun. And I go, well, what do you have in mind? And he goes, I think we should do a rap. And I go, a rap? And he goes, yeah, a rap. And I go, awesome. I love it. I go, you'll do one by the end of the day. And he goes, wait, what, what, what? And, and he's like, but I'm, I'm awkward. I'm kind of awkward. I'm not good at that. I go, it's perfect. His name's Austin. I go, you'll be Austin, the awkward bananas rapper. And he's like, what? <laughs> and I was like, yes. And so I go, by the end of the day, just do it. I go, he goes, but I don't know if I'm ready. I go, what's the worst thing that can happen? He goes, I don't know. They hang up on me. I go, maybe, but I doubt that'll happen. That's the worst. He goes, okay. So all day he's working on the reps. And I go into his office. It's four o'clock. I go, are you ready? He goes, I'm ready. So we call a fan who just bought merchandise at the point. And he calls and says, Hi, hi, John. This is Austin, the Bananas Awkward Rapper. I'm here to fill your day with fun, joy, and laughter. I hope you enjoyed your perch. I, I hope you enjoyed your merch and as much as I enjoyed your perch, something along those lines. He gives this whole rap. He's red and he gives it. The fan goes, huh, thanks, man. That was cool. And he gets on the phone. He's like, it worked. I'm like, yeah, of course it worked, Austin. It was just having fun. And now he writes raps and raps to all of our fans. And I think the key thing there, as we saw, is like, hey, he was scared. It was his first day. But when he went home, what kind of purpose did he have? I actually talked to a fan, made a difference, did something the organization's never done. And I think so of us, we talk about ideas. We have plans. Just do it. Just stop thinking and start doing and execute and see what happens. And that's where you do your learning. I remember at Henry Ford Museum, he said, a big plaque said, Henry believed in learning by doing. And that's our whole mindset, do and then learn. And so that mm -hmm. seeing Austin now is a big, he's a big rapper for our team. I think he writes raps every day. I don't know what else he does, but that's, that's what we're doing and we're having fun with it. I love that. You know, it reminds me, and I want, I want to talk about the, the pandemic that we're in and how you're responding to it. I, I um, you know, with everybody home, working from home, I saw something recently, a friend of mine posted that uh, Atlanta United, the major league soccer team yes. in Atlanta, they're just calling their season ticket holders and saying, hey, how are you doing? Yes. It's not like, hey, uh, you know, don't, don't delete your season tickets because mm -hmm. the season's on hold. It's just, hey, just checking in. How are you doing? Um, and he posted that on Instagram. Love it. That is this fan first Love it. idea that you're talking about. So obviously this time of year, we're recording this in March. We'll post this fairly soon. Um, you would be gearing up. When, when, when would be your first game typically? End of May. So we're okay. still hoping everything clears and we're okay. Okay. So folks are working from home. What, what you know, what are, what challenges, obviously it's challenging, but what, 
how is your day to day? What's your mentality like? What, what were you thinking? So we closed down our office about a week before it became kind of mandatory here in Savannah. And we had a big group meeting. We talked and it was kind of sad because we love being around each other so much. And our president, you know, again, started at 24 year old. I still see him as daddy. I think he's like, he's like, Jesse, I'm 29 now. I'm like, okay, I got it. He goes, uh, <laughs> he goes, hey, hey guys, here's the key. Positive vibes only. This is what we're going to do. And he said, uh, every day we're going to have a lunch together. And so every day on digital Zoom, we're going to have lunch together. We're going to talk about what we're eating. We're going to talk about our wins that we're having today. And we're going to keep going on our book club. And we're going to move it up. We're going to do a chapter a day. And we're, we're focused on learning and growing. It's a big part of our culture. And so we did that. And our first, our first lunch, I'll never forget, our VP shows up in a full suit, which we would never, ever wear a full suit. That's not how we dress. And he was all ready. He's like, I'm ready for this. And we just started having fun. And so the first mindset was keep the group together, keep the group talking, keep the group jamming on ideas. As I mentioned, we have an idea palooza, happy hour, where we're talking about ideas. So we're as focused on our group culture as much as anything. Now, the second piece is the fans. And it was a challenge for us. I'll be very open. You know, with everything going on, you know, we feel we have a big role in the community, just like your church. And we were struggling. Think about, you know, what can we do for this community? because there's so much going on and we're going through ideas and ideas and thinking about the restaurant community. And then finally we just talked and said, you know what? I think what the community needs now is fun, happiness, and entertainment. That's what we specialize in. Let's focus down on that. And so that became our singular focus and what we're doing. Obviously our staff has thank you letters. They all took about 20 home with them. They're doing thank you letters. They're making calls to check in on people. But what we're talking about is what can we do on a daily basis to entertain our fans and bring happiness, fun, and joy. And so that from doing a dance music video to our game, our team playing a mock game on a video game, uh, the Bananas versus the Make It Bacon, thousands broadcast, to cooking with Barry, to a fake parade on St. Patty's Day, we're coming up with ideas and there'll be more of that. So that's, that's our mindset, not for everyone, but I think being clear on what you can do that you're the best at, I think has been big for us, not trying to solve everyone's problem, just trying to deliver fun. And that's consistent with who you are and what you want to be known for. So yeah. if you were, uh, I, I don't know, maybe an accounting firm and suddenly you shifted, nothing against accounting firms, but <laughs> you shifted to, you know, banana wrapping and all this kind of stuff, it would, it would seem inconsistent. But yeah. this is consistent with who you are. And this is consistent with what you want to be. Yeah. And it, here's what I tell business leaders too, is if you can, there's a lot that us nonprofit leaders can learn from business leaders, no doubt about it. Yeah. But there's a lot that the business world can learn from nonprofit. And what you're doing from the nonprofit world, what you're doing is actually bringing a purpose, humor, laughter, uh, light to a dark situation. And that's needed and it's consistent with who you are. And so what you're doing is you're combining your purpose mm. um, and living out your purpose. And so that there's, there's so many huge lessons that we can uh, we well, can take from that. Well, what you do so well, Jeff, is that you know during your meetings you share what people are saying, the posts, you share your customers, you share the four Gwinnett, you share all that, and I think that was that was so key that we've learned. It's after we posted the video of dancing, everyone's saying this is what this is why we love the bananas. Thank you, putting smiles on our face. We needed this today. Hey, I'm, I'm going through depression. You brought joy. We shared all those, and again, talk about purpose. You know, everyone, every business owner in the in the world, even nonprofits, talk about return on investment. Let's talk about return on purpose. Let's talk about ROP. What are those things that you're doing that are giving more purpose to your people? And I'll tell you, when you actually get to see the impact you're making on your fans, your customers, that's return on purpose. And that will always take care of the bottom line and the ROI if you focus on that. So we've shifted our goal, our purpose to more of that. And imagine this moment too, when you're doing all this, somebody 
and I told you this before we started recording, somebody asked me, you know, I wonder if things will ever be the same. And I'm, my response was, I hope, it, I hope it's not. Uh, because here's, here's the thing. Imagine that your fans come to Savannah Bananas game. It's June the you know, 7th, whatever it is. I think there's going to be a deeper appreciation for this moment than maybe there was as much as they appreciated last year's Savannah Banana games. I think there will be a deeper appreciation for it. I think this is going to, you know, we got to get through this and I don't know when we're going to get through this and I'm no expert. I do think everyone agrees we will get through this, Mm. but so when we're on the other side of this, I think there's going to be a deeper appreciation and I think there will be a deeper appreciation for companies who helped get us through this, whether this is with a product or whether it's with, with helping us emotionally get through this. 100%. Um, I think there will be a deeper appreciation. Yeah. And that's what you're doing. Yeah. And I, I've never been more fired up for a season because of that exact reason. Sometimes you take things for granted. And I think uh, you've said it. You ha- Oh, I forgot to mention, I love this that you do. The every Sunday is someone's first Sunday. Yes. Yeah. We have. Every game is someone's first game. And that mindset is huge. And I think sometimes we take for granted, you know, we do 4,000 people, I'll do a Hey Baby dance. The whole stadium is standing, whether you're two years old or whether you're 80 year old. And we always like, it's Hey Baby time. But I could tell when I'm on the dugout and the players, that first game this year, and I see the joy of people doing the ridiculous dance, like it almost brings a tear to my eye because I can picture how important that is. And that fun moment that you've been doing, we've been doing every game for three years, what that's going to be. And I think, you know, for us, we think about all those scripted moments in our game on how do you make people feel? And that's exactly what you do. I mean, there's a reason why in the middle of the game, our players leave the dugouts and deliver roses to little girls. They get on a knee and deliver roses. And then we have some players go on dates with fans in the middle of the game, senior citizens. We have our saxophone guy plays playing music while they're having a date in the middle of the game. You know, there's a reason we do that because we're like, what is happening? But it's bringing a fun new level to things. Like, we don't need to take ourselves too seriously. Let's have fun. And it's so serious right now. Let's bring that out. And, and as I share that with our staff over and over again and try to repeat that, I think it's bringing more purpose. And that first game, as our president said, is going to be the biggest celebration that you can ever imagine. We're together. And let's bring it. Let's have fun. And we can't wait. And, and I, I just love it for so many reasons. I think there's a similar connection in what we do in the sense that, you know, I tell our team at our church, what we do is serious, but let's not take ourselves seriously in the process. I think with baseball, baseball is, the, you know, America's national pastime. And it is, you know, we've got the field of dreams speech and I love all of that. It's great. And hey, let's, you know, let's, let's take it seriously. But let's not, ha- we don't have to take ourselves too seriously in the process. A hundred percent. And that's one of the things, like, I love, like, just going to, we actually have, uh, we get someone in a, a priest costume, uh, uh, we put someone else in a Jimmy Dean son costume, and we have a father-son catch before the game. So, like, we do things to not take ourselves too seriously, you know? We <laughs> You know, most teams, they have a kiss cam, you know, kiss cam. Well, we don't have digital scoreboards. We're a 1926 ballpark, but we have this guy, a bigger guy that has a beard and his name's Ricky. I said, Ricky, you're no, you're no longer Ricky. He goes, what do you mean? I go, you're, you're now cam. He goes, what? I go, before every game, you're going to go through the crowd and we're going to have the kiss cam and fans have to kiss your beard. And he's going through the crowd. And people are like, we really got to kiss him. I go, it's the kiss cam. And again, it's like, like you have to be a unique person to be able to not take yourself too serious and have fun with it. And I think that's what is so enjoyable to talk about. It's like, hey, let's, let's, we need more of this. And when you give fun, you have fun. And how can we all give more fun? Because then I'll tell you, it's a lot of fun when you do it. Jesse, this is fantastic, man. Well, I'm I'm committing to coming to a game this season. Yes. If I can get a ticket, that's the only <laughs> problem. I, I, you know, it's already sold out. But. I think you know someone that can help take care of you. I'll look into that. <laughs> 
So how, how can we stay in touch with you for people that want more information? Obviously, you're on the Donald Miller podcast as well. So tell us how can we can stay in touch with you. Yeah, a couple of years ago, again, going back to a little bit of fear. I mean, it sounds like, hey, you're doing those crazy things. I wrote 159 blogs before I posted my first one. And just two and a half years ago, before I released my book, uh, Find Your Yellow Tux, I said, I'm just going to start posting every day and sharing our journey. And I don't think I got zero comments, zero likes for a while. And I just kept staying consistent and just sharing the things we're learning. So I commit to posting uh, every day but Sunday. And I post on LinkedIn, our social media. And I had a great lesson when I was 25 years old. I uh, read Mark Cuban's book overnight. And I stayed up all night reading. It was a short book, but I was so into it. I sent him an email that morning. And uh, within an hour, he wrote back. And I was blown away. This was when Mark Cuban, Mark Cuban. And uh, I just remember that. And I said, you know, if anybody ever reaches out, if there's any way I can help them reach out, I'll reply and see how I can help. And that, that left a last impression on me. And I think that's great for all leaders on how can you be there, at least in any way. And you've done a great job of that. We've connected so well. So uh, if you search Yellow Tux, uh, Yellow Tux, you'll find me. If you search Yellow Tux, Jesse, you can find me and uh, love to help in any way. And tell us about your book real quick, too. Yeah, find your yellow tux, how to be successful by standing out. You know, I share the journey and, and I believe everyone has something that makes them stand out. It's the best version of themselves. And I share how you can amplify that with yourself in your business and in your team. And I wrote it uh, after our second season in Savannah of all the craziness we were doing. And it's been a fun journey to see what's happened over the last five years and the response that I've got from the book. Well, I'm a huge fan. And when I got a yellow note in the, in the mail from you about my book, I was like, what Jesse Cole knows who I am, and uh, so that was a uh, so. But now I think we're one to one. I wrote you a note back, so it's one to one. We're tied, so we'll see who. And wins. you made it, you made a huge huge impact on me, as you know. So definitely follow Jesse. Uh, get the book. Follow Jesse on LinkedIn and Instagram as well. But I love what you're doing on all the platforms. Huge huge fan. We'll see you. Go bananas! And uh, thanks for all you're doing. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Executive Minds Podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. For more show notes and helpful resources, visit executiveminds.co. That's executiveminds.co.